Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chappell. Today's episode is the first in a two-part series on the history of magic in Northwestern Ohio. Hi, everyone. We've got a special guest on the show today. It's uh, Dave Baum. He's the owner of the well, one of the local card shops in Sandusky, Ohio, that Jeff and I have, well, Jeff, Josh and I really have gone to since our, uh, I don't know, earliest days in Magic. Yeah, I mean, before we were vintage competitive, certainly. We're still going there now, if that's what you mean. And we're still not vintage competitive. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> But but Dave Dave has a special sort of knowledge with the origins of magic in not only northern Ohio, but sort of Ohio in general, and how magic spread through its early days. And we're looking forward to talking to him about these topics. So uh, thanks for being on the show, Dave. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. I've wanted to talk to you for a while because we've, um, you know, thinking back on it, like Jeff and I attended some of our earliest organized magic at events run by you. Um, so in Sandusky, Ohio, back in 1995, 1996. And before we ever knew who you were, right. or had met you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Where you, you hosted or helped host, organize, I'm not sure exactly what your role was. You organized SandCon, that is Sandusky Convention. Yes for magic and other games yeah yeah it was a uh it was kind of weird it was a uh back then the idea was we would have a monthly event i don't you know there wasn't a lot of conventions so the concept of an annual convention there were annual conventions like gen con and origins existed but calling something a monthly convention i mean it's still not really done now there's probably good reasons for that. <laughs> Where did that original idea come from? Uh, so, so early on, um, I'll tell you. So my first experience, uh, let me go back to like the first experience I had with magic. I used to travel. Well, I, I you know worked full time job, and I would travel on the weekends to various parts of the Midwest and set up at these baseball card conventions. And I would uh, you know go from Cleveland out to Chicago and I'd sell cards. I'd pick up a whole bunch of Chicago White Sox and Cubs cards and I'd take them out, to, you know, from here because everybody hated, you know, the White Sox and the Cubs in Ohio. Hmm. And I'd get them cheap here and I'd go out there and sell them. And then I'd pick up Indians and Reds cards and I'd come back and I'd set up either here or down in uh, Cincinnati or in, more in Cleveland proper. And I just had this circuit that I did. And to help minimize the cost of it i would uh work with the local card shops and i would carry product with me from their stores so if they were overstocked on something i would take it out to a show i would sell it they would tell me what they need to have for it i would sell it a, a slight markup and it would always help pay for hotel rooms or whatever so one day this local shop owner uh vents and uh he says, uh, yeah, here, I got, I got this case of something. It's, uh, I don't know what it is. I thought it was a collectible card thing, but, uh, you know, he thought it was more like Cabbage Patch Kids or something, you know, like those kind of cards were. Pretty close. More like Garbage Pail Kids. Or, that's what I meant, Garbage <laughs> Pail Kids. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and he didn't understand it was a game. Yeah. And, of course, I didn't understand. I didn't know what it was. Do you know about when this was? I mean, 
a year? Was this 1993 or was this 94? This probably would have been, well, it was unlimited. Was okay. The set. And uh, he had a full case of it. So I take this case and I go to some town down in southern Ohio off of, uh, gee, I can't remember the name of the town. It was uh, a mall off of Route 70 that, you know, 70, I think, goes east-west through yep. Columbus, right? Uh-huh. And it's all the way, and it's like in this small town just before you cross the river, and I think you go into West Virginia. Yeah. And it's terrible. This is a, a full weekend long. I got to be there and nobody is there. There's like nobody buying anything. All the vendors at the show, you know, they're set up with, uh, you know, sports cards, but nobody's buying anything. Mm. And, you know, it was the, the very beginning of the collapse, I think, of, of sports cards or or maybe the end of the collapse. It was like zero. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to have enough money for my hotel tonight and uh i had that stuff sitting out you know magic and it was uh actually i had both uh the booster packs and the starter packs sure and these uh this kid came up and he's and he got all excited i think they were maybe like a dollar 99 or 250 or something like that they weren't very expensive back then he's like, I've been hearing about this and my friends have it and, and he's all excited. So he buys a couple packs and then he walks over. I mean, this is really before cell phones, right? Sure. So he goes over to the, the phones that are fairly nearby and, he, and he's at the phones for a little while and he comes back and then other people start showing up one at a time. You know, people are coming up and they're buying this stuff and they're breaking it open right in front of me and then they're buying more. Man, I thought for sure you were going to say he comes back from the phones and he buys out everything. Uh, you know what? I don't think people had money then, you know, sure. I don't think it like it is today. People have a lot of money today. Even It's like, even when you're poor, it seems like you got, they have a lot of money they, or at least they have access to it somehow. Mm. Right. Okay. And, uh, but no, he's just, you know, he just keeps finding a little bit more change. Uh, you know, he probably had money on him, but he just wasn't spending it all at once. Yeah. And then as his friends showed up, now they're like, giving money to each other to buy cards off of them. And I don't know what's what. I don't know anything about the game. And they're trying to explain it to me. And, and I can't get past this idea that it's Dungeons and Dragons you know, and cards, mm. you know. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, later when people would ask me, you know, what's the game? I heard it's like Dungeons and Dragons. I'd say it's more like a chess game. You know, yeah. it's, it's mm. very strategy oriented. So they were coming in from uh, apparently there's a college in West Virginia, right over the line. <laughs> there and, are a few. Yeah. I mean, in that area, like right, just yeah, over, yeah. you know, and they were coming in from there. Pretty soon, there's like, I don't know, 15, 20 kids. And they're, you know, they're all college age. And there was a couple high schoolers too. And they're sitting on the floor in the middle of the mall. And they're playing with these cards. And I don't know anything about it. You know, I just know that I've sold enough that I can pay the guy that I'm carrying it for his share. And at some point I decide to open up a, a starter. They get all excited because I get a demonic tutor in it. And you know, there's really at this time, I don't even think there's really a price guide or anything for this. So it really came down to what people were willing to pay. And sure. So it was almost like everything you did was an auction. So it's like, Mm. well, I don't know. What, What do you give me for it? Right. And then, everybody starts saying what they'll give you for it. And uh, I don't know anything about this stuff, but I'm just wheeling and dealing it, right? So thinking back on it, 
it's like, gee, did I like sell a, a Lotus or a, you know, a Mox or something to one of those guys and right. for like pennies or something? And that, no, I, yeah. I would have had no idea. Well, cause you didn't even know what the cards did at that point, right? Like you were, yeah. you were winging it based on like, here's this yeah. card. What do you give me for it? Yeah. I, I had no idea what the power level of a card would be or right. how it was used or anything like that. And so the weekend ended up, I, I sold through all of it, ended up, you know, doing okay with the sports card stuff in the end and came home and I called up my cousin and I said, Hey, you know, these kids, I had this product that I was selling. These kids really liked it. And I think you might like it, you know, cause he likes that genre of stuff. Yeah. Let me, let me ask, did you play Dungeons and Dragons? Were you a gamer at that point or did you just, you, you know, you, I, this I played a little like, bit when I was yeah. a kid, but okay. I don't think there was really gamer culture at, right. you know, yet. It was like, you might play some Dungeons and Dragons, but you also played baseball. You right. know, it, it was like, you were outside way more than you were inside when I was growing Sure. Up. But yeah, so my cousin Andy comes over. I don't know if you ever saw the original rule book. Like had, you got yeah. this little tiny rule book. I have one in my collection someplace. Yeah. And it's a little yeah, I think tiny. I, I think I have a revised one. But... Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, and you know, it's a, it's the same size as a card and it's got like 36 pages. <laughs> it's yeah. like insane, right? They're, they're really thin paper. You got to be careful not to tear it, you know, off of the two staples that it's put together with. I think it's one and staple actually. Is it one? <laughs> I it think it's be. one. And, and, you know, and the, and everything's written really small. I'm not, you know, I don't know how to read. Right. Yes, that's, no, that's I'm right. just joking. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's more like I'm looking at this thing and I don't want to read it. <laughs> oh, sure. So we're like, maybe Andy will read it. <laughs> uh, so he comes over and we look at it and we, we start fooling around with the, you know, the rules, trying to understand them. The next thing we know, like six weeks have gone by. And we haven't seen anybody else because every day it's you get up, you go to work, you come home, and you start playing Magic. And oh, it's the two of us. And we're yeah. playing only with the cards that I picked up right. when I was at that event. So how much did you have? I mean, do you have a couple of starters and some boosters or was it? I kept trading and getting bulk okay. off of them. So I, I think I had maybe about 400 cards. Okay. And, uh, you know, I might not have had any rares. Sure. So I go to I go back to Vince and I said, Hey, remember that game that you had me sell? Do you have access to buying it? And he's like, Yeah, I can get some more, I think. And so a week goes by and he's got like a single box and he says, I don't know what's going on with this, but it's like really expensive now. Mm. And you know, it was almost twice as much and it was revised. So it was wow. like right when revised was coming in, I think. Okay. So I, I go ahead and I buy a few packs off him and it's like I think I got a Shivan Dragon or something, you know. Yeah. And I, I go home and I flop that down on the table in front of Andy in the middle of a game. And he's like, what? Where'd this come from? I haven't seen this. And he's like, this is, you know, you can't do anything about it. You know, the sure. power level on that card is just so over. All he can do is hope to get maybe a terror, right? right? There was just so little in the game at that point. So, you know, our friends are then contacting us and, and they're like, you know, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, we've been playing this game and you got to come over. Why don't you come over? Uh, you know, I got enough cards here. I'll put together a deck for you. And, and they're like, what do you mean? You, you put together something for me. You know, it didn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, oh, you'll understand. Come on over. Come on over. 
So pretty soon, we probably have about a dozen of our friends playing this game. And we're playing like in the middle of a bars and stuff, you know, and people would look at it like, what is going on? It doesn't make any sense, right? Because <laughs> just back then, you pretty much just went to the bar to get drunk. Now you could actually, or play darts or something, right? Right. <laughs> but to play a card game, you know, people would walk over, is that like, are you gambling? You're not allowed to gamble in here. Right. You know, it was still very new. Nobody. Were you playing for Auntie? I was going to ask. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. We played for Auntie. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's we, like we, gambling, Dave. We played for Auntie probably first three or four years of the game before people started realizing that they could lose big stuff, you know? Sure. But after a while of this, I decided I'd organize a, uh, like a tournament and my, my brother and my cousin, uh, my cousin, you know, didn't want to do anything business oriented with it. He just wanted to play, didn't want to be involved in organizing an event, but my brother did. And so we put together a little tournament at a baseball card show. By then, we probably had a few dozen people playing. This would have been sometime in 1994, after revised and... No, I think it was still during 93 because uh, okay. there was something that happened still with revised. I'll, I'll come I'll come back to that in a minute. But okay. we ran this little tournament and it turned out we had so many people showed up that we asked if we could have a separate... Like they have this room full of all these baseball card people. Needed a separate and room. And we're like, we need like a... A little bit more space can can we there was like a stage area like can we have that stage up there and we'll bring in some tables so we're like doing everything we can to find tables and chairs and we had i think about a dozen well i think it was like a little over a dozen people for the tournament and that was like our first tournament in this area no you know, sure it, actually i mean i don't even know if the concept of playing this as a tournament really existed that much there might have been some tournaments at like conventions and things but like to just to have a tournament at a small place like that really wasn't a thing. You couldn't, nobody else was doing it yet, at least yeah. around here. Sure, sure. Do you remember where this was? Was this in yeah, Cleveland it was, or uh, Columbus or something? No, it was It was actually here in Sandusky. Oh, okay. It was uh, at the UAW Hall on okay. Route 4. <laughs> yeah, I know where that is. Uh, for, for everyone else's reference, Sandusky is where Cedar Point is. It's about an hour west of Cleveland. It's actually a pretty small town. It's yeah. not really that small, I guess. It's it's not like a small, you know, crossroads or anything. Right. I mean, we got we got one Walmart. That's pretty good. It's a small city. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the thing about Sandusky is the population is about 3 times higher during the summertime than it is during sure. the winter. And uh, again, it's where Cedar Point is. Yeah. And you know, people come home from college and so that summer then there was a, I think a second printing of revised had come out and oh, okay. there was a shop over in, I can't remember. It's not Lorraine. It's in that area though. Was it Amherst? Was it the Amherst. Keep? Yeah, that's what it was. The Keep. Yeah. That's where I first went. That was my first store. Yeah. And so James, he's a good friend of mine. He owns that place. And mm-hmm. we, we had met way back then when, when it was first going on and he was, kind of acting as a distributor for them. Okay, yeah. The uh, the premise was supposed to be that he would get product and he would sell it to us and then we would be able to sell it in other places, right? And his idea, based on that premise, is, is that, yeah, but he still gets his markup. You know, he's a retailer. He should get his markup. Sure. And that meant that the price was going to be higher. It was like 5 $6 a pack when mm. I think they were supposed to be 250 and, but because they had been going through multiple stores and it had grown quite a bit, 
by this point. The game had grown quite a bit. It was start. It was really hard to find, and uh, but he was the only one that had it, so he did really well. Yeah, I remember. So I remember uh, the George Baxter Magic books. He, he was like the original magic author. He wrote a bunch of books. Like the keep was always listed in the back of those books oh, as, yeah. as one of the regional retailers of mm-hmm. of the game. So like he, yeah, and that they store had a magazine too. Right. Yeah. yeah, he had a he had a magazine called Conjure Magazine. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know how many issues they put out. That I think became a big problem for him, and uh, so they ended up deciding not to do it. I, I think it was just very labor intensive to try to do a monthly magazine. It is. So at this point, you're you're not involved with a store. You're just kind of doing it on your own, or were you involved with the store? Yeah. Yeah. No stores or anything. And actually. At that time, the uh, the idea was to never really get involved in a store. Um, mm. I, I did not think that magic could support itself. It, you know, obviously there was money coming in, but you know, when you think about what's actually involved in running a store, oh sure, and I know, and, and most people don't know what's involved in running a store. Uh, it's just that the, there's a lot of expenses that people don't think about. Right. So, uh, yeah, we just. You know, my brother and I, uh, we didn't want to do anything like that. But there was a couple of other guys at the same time who had a little business going. And they they were running tournaments. And they had approached us and said, well, you know, if you guys don't want to run tournaments, how about we run tournaments and then you guys could do all the retail. Mm. And we're like, heck yeah, let's do that. So at this point now, there's four of us. And... We formed a – they had a company. It was called Pegasus Promotions. And it, Kevin Gamper was the per, the one person's name. He was like the head person there. Okay. They ended up – they were running these tournaments and we were following them around everywhere. We would help organize different ideas. And we came up with this idea. Well, what if we had a tournament where you qual- you gained points at each one and you we would have a really big tournament at the end? So we, we went out and we found a Black Lotus. And I think it was a hundred bucks. Nice. <laughs> and we thought, well, let's let's make it so, you know, they'll come to this first tournament, and we'll do this in like Port Clinton, and which is like ten miles west of Sandusky. Right. And then we'll do one in Sandusky, and then we'll go down to Tiffin, which is like you know maybe thirty five, forty miles south of uh, Sandusky. And then we came back to Fremont, and then we went to a few other towns, and we went. And then we worked across northern Ohio, like to Lorraine, and I, we didn't do Vermilion. You guys were in Vermilion, weren't you? Yeah, Vermilion is probably smaller than you were looking. Was this? Did you have yeah. a tournament at? We did Sawmill one at the Creek Keep in and, Huron. And we did it at small. Yeah, and that was actually that was one of them that we did with Sawmill Creek. Also, that was that was the first tournament I ever went to. Okay, man, you guys had to be little. You had to be. Little I was. Kids. Uh, I mean, I would have been thirteen. Yeah. And I, I went there with Tim Ayton. We played in a team event. Well, and see, and that's the thing is I remember Tim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll have to talk about Tim, my memories of Tim. <laughs> so we went to, we, we traveled around. We had everybody following us on this. And then eventually you would get so many points and you would qualify to play in this tournament. And we called it the Grand Prix. Nice. You yeah. got there first. <laughs> Way before Wizards called it a Grand Prix. <laughs> And, and actually, when they finally did come out with the Grand Prix, you should have seen the look on my brother's face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody's been watching us, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I think it's just uh, – <laughs> it's probably just uh, 
a coincidence. So it's <laughs> that's just a name they use for a series <laughs> of tournaments, as it turns out. Um, so we're growing with these guys, and we finally decided to just make one. We decided to just do one company, and so we put it all together under one umbrella because we had a little. They called them zines back then, kind of short for magazine, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like you know. Uh, what would it, I guess it's 11 by 16 sheet of paper and you fold it over and it's printed yeah. on both sides and you might have some inserts inside of it. It was called Gamer Classifieds. Do you, do you guys remember that at all? Did you see that? That one I don't remember. I think I remember Conjure, but I don't remember that. Yeah, this was just a we, – we'd only make maybe about 100 to 200 of these. Sure. And uh, it was set up. It had like a couple of uh, stories in it. They would have press releases and stories that we would write. We would interview somebody each each month, uh, one of the players. And then we would have uh, this large section of classified ads, which were were free. So you could, if you wanted to insult one of your friends, you could throw <laughs> an insult in there. And it covered everything. It wasn't just magic. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was Star Trek and Star Wars and do you have copies of these? Do you have Do you have a print or yeah, digital copies? Yeah, someplace uh, I do have a few copies. Uh, oh, my brother has love, all of them. I would love to but, see those. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll, next time we're together, I'll, I'll dig it out. I'll see if I can dig them out and get show them to you. But uh, so you know, we're we're doing these and uh, we're traveling around now with these guys. They create this idea of the pro tour, and I uh, contacted uh, Wizards and said, you know, you know, I'm. I'm doing a lot of events and, you know, the DCI registrations and everything are already there. And we had, we had pretty good numbers. Um, we actually had a uh, tournament with like, uh, so you guys came out to SandCon. Yeah. So th- we did one SandCon. The last time we did SandCon was uh, the pre-release for Mirage. Yeah. And Mirage, or the people I should say that came to it, it was a lot of people. And, you know, at that time, a pre-release didn't – you couldn't go to a, uh, a pre-release at a store. It had to be a special right. event. Right. And so, you know, there was like uh, like over 100 people. It was one of the, the largest tournaments that had been held nationally at that point. I think I might remember going to that one. It yeah. was, it was like do. pure <laughs> mayhem, right? And it's like yeah. – and the crazy thing is we think we're doing an absolute terrible job. The reality is is – we, you were the only we ones did, doing the job. <laughs> we did it way better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, well, because this was this was after actual pro tour events, right? Like this was, but this was cer- certainly a big regional one. Well, I you know I don't know if this was before the pro uh, pro qualifiers. I don't know if we were doing the pro qualifiers before the Mirage pre release or after. Mm-hmm. I think we did the Mirage pre release and then pro qualifiers were after. I know that we did the first qualifier in Ohio. Okay, and at that time they called it the Ohio Valley. I don't yeah. know what that entailed. Right. Um, you know, it was more than just Ohio. I don't know if it was like Indiana and Ohio. Well, it probably started in Pittsburgh, right? Uh, or encompassed that because I know that's where a lot of the big names in the early Magic Pro Tour came out of was was Pittsburgh. Randy Bueller, yeah. and Aaron Forsyth, and whoever else. Yeah, it might have been. I, I don't really. I can't really recall how they figured those things out back yeah. then you know just the other day i was trying to remember even what dci stood for yeah. and uh I, I i remembered it after a little bit um i suppose i could have just googled it but... well, what yeah. is it because i have no idea yeah i don't know either it's, it's dualist 
Duelist Convocation International. Yep. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed either, yeah. any of those words. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. I think I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead too far because, mm, you know, we started doing the SanCon thing. And, uh, well, we started that Grand Prix first, and then we decided to just do a monthly event at one location. And we found this uh, found this hall. It was pretty good size, uh, you know, because we could sit over 100 people. And I, I think the idea is, is that if we had to, worst case scenario, we would have maybe 150 people, I think, is what we could sit. Okay. And then um, you guys had been maybe to it and you probably remember there were vendors all the way around the outside edge. Yep. I felt like primarily when I was going, I was going for the vendors. Yeah. We we were going to play casually and buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, It was difficult to get cards in general at that point and having a bunch of vendors around with a bunch of different stuff meant that you could actually get what you were looking for. And they also Mm -hmm. had like, I mean, I loved the, two cent bin i think it was yeah there were, there were definitely random cards and random bins that you could pay various prices for yeah there were guys yeah. that you could buy a you know for 50 cents a roll a roll a die and yeah. uh, and, and i think it was like a 20 sided die yep. and you would uh get that you know whatever number it is you win that thing that's on a square with that number yeah and you know if you got a if you got a one you know, you get something that was not so great. And if you got a 20, you'd get something better or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So as far as I remember these, like we would go to this convention hall uh, and usually uh, it would be me and Jeff, Jared Dewey. And I'm trying to remember if there was anyone else who would go, but we would get like a lot of times one parent would drop us off and another one would pick us up. And so you're talking a little bit about Tim Aiton and he, uh, he was there. He was like, we, we had a, a smaller group, and he was like way better than we were. So yeah, like him and his didn't... brother were both players, and their father right, too. Right, they were players. And the thing that I thought was funny about Tim, especially you know Tim now, you know, like uh, I I lost track of Tim for years and years and years, and I, I see a little bit about it, you know a little bit about his career, but I haven't talked with him, and I don't even know if he would recognize me if he saw me. Sure. You know, I don't even know if I'd recognize him if I saw him. But I saw him, you know, on TV when he was doing the um, Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah. And which he did well on. And I'm thinking to myself this entire time I'm watching this, there was this guy who was a terrible human being who would come to our events. And he was the worst stereotype of uh, a magic player that there could be, you know, the bad odor the the uh the cockiness the uh always trying to take advantage of somebody else right all the really negative stereotypes that are in magic was all encompassed into one person and this guy would come to the events and tim who i thought was maybe 12 or 13 at the time yeah, probably was a little bit older at that time. Yeah. yeah he was probably a little older than i thought he was but he would just sit there and make fun of this guy right to his face. And the guy <laughs> couldn't do anything about it, you know? And he would just like, he would brutally tear this guy apart and the guy would get flustered. And then he would, and, and, and it's like, nobody did anything about it. It was, it was horrible. What was happening. And it's, and it's like, and you just go, this is for the good. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, but yeah, that's my fondest memory of Tim. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) But yeah, no, I there were other guys from there was a lot of guys from Vermilion. Yeah, Matt, did you ever actually compete? I don't remember actually ever actually competing in it. So I remember playing in a few events, um, and like I was playing essentially standard. It was it was type two back then, obviously, and I was playing type two and. Uh, so I had a I had a blue and green deck that Tim had actually built for me. It, it wasn't very good. It was basically like, here are blue and green cards that I own. Like, what can you do with these? And like, he put together a deck. And, you know, it was fun and certainly better than any of the decks that I could build, but it was terrible. I remember another time playing in, it was a styled junior event. So it was for... You know, people under a certain age. I don't remember what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Was that at our event? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was at SimCon, yeah. and I was at the top top end of that age bracket, and I was playing a red white uh, red white weenie deck that had like Acacian Money Changer in it. Ooh, tech. I, I did well for myself. Like it was it was a good event for me, but it was still like you know I made top sixteen or something out of forty players or whatever, and. I felt pretty good about myself, but like, I don't remember playing. I certainly don't remember winning. <laughs> like Jeff said, we weren't there to compete. We were there. Like we would play casual games against the friends we knew and we would buy stuff. Yeah. Partly because we didn't have parents around to tell us, don't spend your money on this. Yeah. The, even the people that were there to compete weren't really competing back then. It was kind of like going to like a, a, a marathon or a 5k or something. You know, there's, there's some people there that are definitely competing. And there were other people right. who just paid to play and be participants right. in this event. It was very much before like magic strategy was like known. Everyone was terrible. You couldn't read about like how to build a deck online. You didn't know anything about card advantage. It was if just you like, could even get online. Yeah, put a pile know? of cards together and see what happens. So the at that time, I actually I remember having a conversation with somebody from back then, and I was talking to somebody at the event talking about do you get online? And mm-hmm. um, I mean, eBay wasn't really even a thing yet. Um, yeah, if you got online chances are your computer was going to crash after a certain amount of time. The, right. the World Wide Web was seemingly new. It, it wasn't new, but it was – people didn't have a lot of access. It was yeah, like yeah. just before that. And, you know, I would kind of wondered if the development of the web, that early development of the web, at the very beginning seemed like it was all about magic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like, I think that magic actually drove the development of the web more than almost anything else. I think they're more connected than anyone would realize. Because, like, you, you look at, like, the dojo and the early message board stuff. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of magic stuff there. And, like, I didn't know anything about it. I don't remember reading about magic online until, like, when I was in college, like, in 2000. Yeah. The only source that I had was the one book by George Baxter that I owned and it was, like here's how to build a deck. And it was like, you know, 33% lands and not enough lands. It it didn't really help all that much, but it was a start. And like, I don't remember getting into advanced magic strategy until later, but all of it was online and being traded and passed around in message boards that, you know, I just didn't know about. Nobody knew about unless you were like ensconced in it already. It was a a really huge advantage. Yeah. If you had access to the internet, which most people didn't have access. Nobody had cell phones yet. You know, it was like, it was, if you had that technological advantage, 
it was huge. I mean, the concept of a net deck right. didn't even exist yet. Right. So when we moved into doing pro events, or pro, I should say pro qualifiers, the, what led us to that was I had gone down to uh, Origins. You know, the person that was my rep at the time, from direct from Wizards, I would, was talking with this girl, and she said, you know, we really need somebody to help us run some magic events there. We need judges. Oh, yeah. And uh, do you have access to people? And I said, yeah. So we put it out in our newsletter. You know, we didn't have a website or anything yet. Nobody had that. And and you still didn't have a store yet, right? This was still just you. Yeah, doing just, stuff? Just, yeah okay. just yeah, me and a couple other guys. And, you know, we would mail this newsletter out to everybody, this zine, Gamer Classifieds. And it ended up, uh, you know, we had people even in Canada, you know, Sandusky's up here on the lake, but... There's still a lot of distance between us and Canada because Mm -hmm. you have to drive either to New York and cross over or you got to go to, you know, Detroit and Windsor. And uh, there was a couple of kids that were, I think, like in Toronto area that would come down. You know, it's a bit of a drive for them, but they came to all of our events and um, they wanted to do the tournament organizing. Hmm. They came, uh, so I, I sent this up there and or I mean, I heard back from them and they said, yeah, we'd like to be involved in that. And I said, okay, well, this is what you'll do. There's going to be a room set up for us. You'll meet at this room. You know, anybody that wants to judge will get a free pass to Origins. And, uh, but you're going to have to volunteer so much time. And they're like, okay. So I meet up with everybody. And then I said, we got to go over and take this test. They want us to take a judge test. And it's I believe it's the first time that they did a judge test hmm. on like an open call like that. And, you know, it was hand, it was a printed test. It wasn't like online or anything. And I told them, I, I don't really want to take the test because I'm not a judge. I'm an organizer. And I felt there was a difference. And they're like, well, no, it's mm, the same sure. thing. We're, it's, you know, the concept of a tournament organizer being separate from a judge didn't make sense to them yet. Sure. So I took the test and I did horrible. I, I didn't do well at all. But while I'm taking the test, I look up and um, I look up past the guy that's you know sitting across from me, and there's Richard Garfield. I thought, wow, I can't believe that he is actually here at the convention. Hmm. I didn't yeah. know that he was going to be at the convention. So after the they did the tests and everything, uh, you know, all my guys that I had brought with me, they all passed, and so they were definitely going to be used. They at first they said, well, you didn't pass this. And so we can't really use you as a judge. And I said to him, well, I didn't come down to be a judge. I came down because I'm a tournament organizer. I can run your events better than anybody else can here. Yeah. And I manage judges. And so they said, okay, well, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll trust you on that because I brought like a dozen people and, uh, they abided by that. They, you know, they said, okay, we'll do it. And, the tournament they put me on was like the Chinese release tournament or some stupid, <laughs> right? It didn't make any sense it's in Columbus, Ohio. And it's like the release for Chinese. Was this like Portal Three Kingdoms or was this like Chinese version of fourth edition or what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like a fourth edition or, or I don't know if it was fourth edition or revised. I think the fourth edition was the first one that was printed in Chinese. It might've been. Yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, and they had this, uh, you know, nobody could read it, so everything had to be done with the images. Yeah, the only thing you knew was the art. And so we get this thing going, and I instructed all of my people, you know, this is 
the thing. Nobody can read this stuff. They got to remember what the cards do. And if they're not playing them correctly, then you have to know what the cards do. So this right. is really important that everybody knows everything. Did judges have a reference or anything of like, here's a picture of what the card is in English? Yeah, but I had to make it and I had to make <laughs> it on the fly. Yeah. I had to, like, I found out I was going to do this the next day. You know, So you invented forward. Gatherer. And I went, <laughs> well, I didn't really. No, yeah, no, right. I can't say that. I What I did was I, I just, um, I just went and made photocopies of everything that I okay, could, right? Cards, and yeah. brought it back. And uh, it was a place called Kinko's back yep. then. So I got everything put together. And some of it was handwritten with, like, sketches. You know, this is this oh. is the card kind of looks like this, you know. And, uh, you know, That's it had awesome. a description. This was a black card. Do you have one of these lying around? I, no, I wish I still had that. that oh, I bet. Because... <laughs> Because yeah, it took like the it took us. Uh, it was you know it was the team I had. It was the guys yeah. I had. I gotta go back to tell you about these guys that came from that came down from uh, <laughs> from sure. Canada. These, these two Canadian guys. These two Canadian guys. They they show up and they uh, they want to take the test and they they ace it right. That like like one hundred percent. Both of them one hundred percent and. They they give them an option, you know. Okay, this is going to be great. You get, you know, you're gonna we're gonna have you run these these tournaments and and they said, yeah, well, somebody said that we could, you know, work out on the uh, ticket sales. We'd rather do that because they were like database guys. They were all about databases. They'd made this database for uh, the card game Mech Warrior, okay, which was a Wizards of the Coast game. And it's yeah. kind of like a simplified version of Magic. Yeah, and. Uh, they go ahead and they, they go out and do that. And by the end of the event, they're hired by that company. I, I don't remember. I think it was called Andon or something like that. But that company then got purchased by Wizards, I think, in the same week. Because Peter Atkins was – is that is that how you say his name? Peter Atkinson. Atkinson? Yeah. At Atkinson, yeah. Yeah, he was there. And I I met him and uh, when I was running that tournament. And he's like – you know, he was perplexed by the idea that I could run that tournament so well. It was so smooth. Everything went really great. <laughs> but I didn't know the rules of the game that well. That's, and That's two totally different skills. Yeah, it's funny that they didn't put those together right. or separate them. I think that event was like really eye-opening. Not that particular tournament, just the whole event was. Yeah. I think that's why he wanted to buy the tournament. You know, the uh, Origins at that time. Did he buy Origins? He bought Gencon, I know, but... Yeah, he bought... I, I, um, no, he bought the company that was running the ticket sales for Origins. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, one of the... So the guys that came from that, the, those Canadians, were Mike and Jeff Danos. Oh. And they, you know, ended up going into the DCI. Yeah. And one of them... Uh, uh, or the pair of them, I don't know, um, were the ones that created the sixth edition rules. Yeah. So they're the ones who are responsible for... Uh... For saving the game. Really, if you think about it, like, uh, Magic was becoming so com complicated by sixth edition Yeah. that, uh, you know, there was so many questions going on and communication hey. wasn't happening fast enough. And Yeah, sixth edition simplified the rules greatly and yeah. in a very positive way. Oh yeah, yeah. This edition was end of batch, beginning of stack, etc. Simplifications like that, right? And and we're gonna stop using banding as an ability. <laughs> <laughs> they were fascinating. Those guys were fascinating to talk to. They just yeah. oh, sure. their minds are just 
amazing. They were like on go continuously for the, the age that they were, because they, they were younger than I was. They, you know, they were like 10 or 12 years younger than me, probably. And they were just so ahead of everybody else their age. And so they've done really well. Um, I, I don't know. I know the one did became like the first level five judge and then yeah. went on to work for uh, Upper Deck with the game versus. Yeah. I, I don't know what the other the other brother did. I'm not sure which one did which. But yeah, those guys were really influential at that time too. Yeah, they've both gone on and had gold star careers in games in general. Yeah, so. yeah. And then, so during the break of one of the games, so I was meeting with all these other game companies, like, you know, I was trying to meet with all the different game companies that I could. And I went down to get some lunch. While I'm standing in line, Richard comes, Richard Garfield, you know, gets in line right behind me. And we get talking. I'm like, oh, hey, aren't you Richard Garfield? He's like really shy at the time. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't want a lot of attention brought to him. I said, oh, well, yeah. And I told him what I was doing there and everything. And and then we got talking about kids. I don't think he had kids. He was talking about having kids yeah. at the time. And I had I had a couple of little kids. And so we, we end up sitting down from across from each other and, uh, you know, eat our lunch. And then we go on our way. About an hour, maybe two hours later, I'm standing at the booth talking with the guys from Decipher. Decipher was the company that did uh, Star Trek and Star Wars. Right. And then later they did Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And Richard comes walking up and they go, hey, Richard, have you met Dave Baum? He's like, you know, running all these events here in Ohio. And he goes, no, nice to meet you. And I go, well, we just had lunch. He goes, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <She> totally <laughs> I think he was a little embarrassed, but it was sad. It was like he just was meeting so many people. That he yeah, oh, sure. Couldn't possibly, you know, remember everybody. Not, yeah, not his fault, just the yeah. situation. And right. I felt, I kind of felt bad because he seemed like he was a little embarrassed and he shouldn't have been. Yeah. That same weekend I met um, Brahm from, uh, he was working with uh, another company, a they did Guardians. Okay. It was a card game called Guardians. Kind of, it was more tongue in cheek, kind of a fun game. Okay. But Brom, you know, the artist. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, he was he was pretty interesting. My cousin and my friend that was with me ended up leaving the convention for a while, and they went out on the town with him. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> so we end up after that convention. We, you know, we're now doing these qualifiers, and we're getting a lot of attention from wizards. And we do this really big event. And it goes off really well. And they say to us, well, we're, we're changing everything around. You know, we know you're doing a really good job, but you're going to have to bid on the next uh -huh. pro qualifier. Uh-huh, sure. We're like, bid? What do you mean? <laughs> We've been doing this uh, forever. We started this. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and you want me to tell you how much money I'm going to give you and you're going to make your decision based on who offers you the most money. And they're like, yeah, I think that's the way it should be done. And I said, well, I offer you a dollar and I'm not going to offer you anything more than that. You know, and if you don't accept it, then we'll just part our ways. So this is the birth and of And they didn't accept it. <laughs> that was the end of SanCon. Oh, that, that oh, was so the, that was yeah. yeah. After we had done uh, a few SanCons and done a bunch of fairly large tournaments for them, they had this moment of greed that they couldn't see beyond what we were bringing to it and uh, bringing to the table. And so, you know, my partners and I just decided, well, if they don't want to accept that, then, 
you know, this is like, like our first time that we actually showed a profit. And now they want that profit. And is they Wizards of the Coast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it, it ended up, I think, hindsight, you know, they did away with that system after, you know, they found out that everything failed as a result because sure. there were the, the companies that did take it over did such a terrible job that people stopped going to them and they're like, well, how do we deal with pre-releases? You know, nobody's attending them anymore. It took a few years, but, and they, they had sent other people, you know, Mike Guptill, uh took over doing Ohio Valley. And mm-hmm. I think he started off out in Seattle and then came to Ohio uh, and he did it for quite a few years. He'd probably be a really good guy to talk to about, you know, what all was going on at that time. But we basically, at that point, walked away from it. A sad note to take a break on. We talked to Dave for so long that this episode is coming at you in two parts. Stay tuned for next time when we follow how Dave tracked with the evolution of magic and transition from tournament organizer to store owner. We hope you'll join us next time for more Serious Vintage. Take a little trip.